Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode five of the NFNL podcast. I'm Samuel Zito, joined by Jordan Canellis and by Jared Gardner. Gents, welcome to the new broadcast. Obviously, another massive weekend in the NFNL. They all feel like they've been huge over the first month or so of the season. Just so many talking points keep coming out of our football competition in the senior men's side of things and the weekend really didn't differ all too greatly. So much to to get through across our three senior men's competitions. Absolutely, Samuel. Good to be here again with you this week. Um, Yeah, I think more more stories coming out of Division 1 as they have been over the first month. I think it's the same stories, but as we keep going week on week, those same stories become more dramatic. So mainly I'm talking about the likes of McLeod and West Preston Lakeside both teams still without a win. That's been the main, uh, I think, focus. Now, on top of the great teams who are d- doing good jobs at the top of the ladder, um, obviously you can't really go past the, the grand finalists from last year. Um, some fantastic clashes. A bit of an upset in Division 2 as well with the Fitzroy Stars and, and Eltham. Um, the Stars getting uh, getting a win there. And and then probably the, the game of the weekend was the uh, top of the table clash in Divi 3. So that's, I reckon that's the pick of the bunch for the weekend. Yeah, well, there's probably a couple in, in Heidelberg Golf Club Division 3. It's not often you have two games, particularly when there's only four matches in the competition, but two that are decided by basically the last minute or, or the last kick of the day, obviously, South Morang and Old Altham Collegians producing the first draw of the campaign. Um, 62 points apiece. South Morang uh, kicking a behind with the last kick of the day. Uh, Nathan Tassel after the siren. He's shot from long range, just missed to the near side. So that produces a draw. Jared Gardner, it's not often that a side's first competition points in a new league. Uh, the two points are draw. It's, it's amazing, but as Jordan alluded to, an amazing round in third division. Yeah, it's, it's an amazing round all up in the whole league. And uh, Division 3, I, I think, speaking to you earlier, it's, it's it's amazing to see that the the top four sides in Division 3 currently, you're looking at sides like Lorimer and Kilmore and Heidelberg West, who um, Lorimer and Kilmore won in the competition a few, a few years ago, and Heidelberg West struggled for a few years there. It's good to see all three of those sides uh, really doing doing well in Division 3 this year. Absolutely. It's obviously a big weekend, which we'll go through throughout this week's episode. Uh, also, uh, I guess, major announcements coming through the late part of last week and early part of this week as well, with our senior representative football men's side being named last week, or the squad at, at the very least, the 28-man squad uh, picked to take on the Geelong Football Netball League next Saturday, May 18, at Queen's Park Highton. So that game, obviously, it gives us an opportunity to take the number one spot on the AFL Victoria Community Championships ranking. Uh, it's been a couple of years that we've spent uh, you know, working towards this game. We as low as fifth uh, back in 2016, playing into 2017. Gary Ramsey's led this side to two great wins and named his 28-man squad last week. A lot of those players named in the in the squad have been players who have been in the team for the past two years. They've been rewarded for for being a part of it and getting the the league to to where they've been. Obviously, it's been two really convincing wins, a 120-point win against the Western Region Football League in 2017. Last year, a 40-point triumph over the Mornington Peninsula Nepean Football League, who we'd actually lost to only a few years prior to that. So rewarding those players who have been a part of it. A few new faces in that squad as well, but... Um, you know, as you know, always is going to happen with rep sides. It's it's so hard to pick. There's so much talent throughout the league. You're never going to have your absolute best side out in the park. But the squad that he's been able to assemble, and and we'll hear from Gary in a few moments' time. Um, 
we're confident that they can get us to number one, obviously against a very strong opposition in the Geelong Football Netball League. Yeah, the uh, the Geelong FNL have been right up there in the uh, the number one or number two game for the last couple of years. Um, but I think you probably have to, uh, without knowing um, the actual facts, you'd probably say that the NFNL is one of the few leagues who have been able to, over the last sort of three, maybe four years, pick the same group of players consistently. Those players are the best players. They are genuinely the best group of players uh, in the competition. And the coach has been there over that whole span as well. I don't think many other leagues can say that they've got that trifecta uh, like the NFNL does. I'm sure there's probably a couple. There's The whole competition's about 30 leagues wide. So there's probably someone else who's done it. But the NFNL, and, and on top of that, the NFNL were at the top. We've been around that, that one to six uh, seed for the last three years, so that's a that's a great testament to the strength of the league, and also um, I suppose to, to Gary Ramsey as well and the unity he's been been able to create with within the squad. Absolutely, our senior women's side will also play on the day as well. So a larger squad was named about a month ago, a squad of sixty. They've been training for the past couple of weeks uh, as they try to fine tune that that side to, to get it down to the final. I think it's twenty four that, that that get named uh, in that team as well. So there's uh, some some big decisions to still be made from a coaching point of view as well so that squad uh, will announce that next week once it's once it's confirmed as well and, and hear from, from the coaching staff there so uh, plenty of work to be done there obviously last year the girls in their first uh, their inaugural representative game drew amazingly against yeah. the, the South East women's yeah. a combined side from the South East and, and then lost in overtime unfortunately so uh, hoping that uh, we can Go uh, or at least get get the result this year. We'll take on a combined AFL Barwon side and, and also two netball games on the day as well. Our two netball sides, an open side and an under-19 side, both undefeated since commencing rep netball in 2015. Obviously a big challenge this year. Geelong, we know, have a very strong netball program. Also have to deal with the elements this year as well. The games to be played on outside courts, which we did play on in 2016 when we travelled out to the Mornington Peninsula Nepean Football League and, and played out at Rise Rowley Oval and got two wins there. So hoping that can continue as well. Those squads uh, were announced earlier this weekend and they're actually final teams as well. So uh, congratulations to, to all those selected. The Open team again this year to be coached by Julie Hibbert who will be assisted by last year's Open representative captain Beck Colwell and, uh, and in the under-19s Jackie Harrington takes the reins uh, from Sharon Ashworth and she'll be assisted again by Jacinta Tonkin who continues as well. So congratulations to everyone who's been selected across uh, those two Nepal teams as well. Hopefully we can maintain that perfect record as well. It's been such a success, uh, representative Nepal in the Northern Football Nepal League, something that we're so proud of at league level and uh, done so well over the, the opening years. Obviously this year another major challenge coming up against uh, you know a very strong league and also on their home court as well. But uh, before we have a look at the weekend that was, we'll hear from the coach of the senior men's football representative team, Gary Ramsey, ahead of next week's battle for the number one ranking on the AFL Victoria Community Championships ranking system. Here's Gary Ramsey. Gary, uh, exciting times, obviously getting close to that number one playoff at the AFL Victoria Community Championships, obviously up against the Geelong Football Netball League. The 28-man squad has been announced. Can you just give us an insight into the squad that you've gone with ahead of this game, as we say, playing for the number one ranking in the Community Championships? Yeah, thanks, Samuel. Yeah, no, very excited. Um, 
we uh, we think we've got a really strong strong squad. Um, most of the squad's been together now. This is the third year together, so they're sort of really comfortable with each other. They um, you know get on really well with each other. Um, yeah, no, we think we've got a real solid group together. Our, our two previous performances have been really solid. Um, and we see no reason why uh, you know we won't be putting in another another uh, really good performance for yourself. You've been part of it for the past two years. This year, your third time as NFNL representative coach. It's been you know a steady, I guess, climb up the rankings. I think when you first took over, we were in I think f- at number five and playing off against the sixth placed Western Region. But it's been uh, I guess a, a bit of a journey to now get us to you know playing off for the number one ranking in in all of Victoria. Yeah, look, and I suppose um, that was, you know, when I was sort of asked to get involved, I think that that's what the only, you know, my, my main motivation was to get to the number one spot. We, if you didn't have a ladder or you didn't, if they didn't, the games didn't mean, you know, so I'd probably be struggle for the boys to get involved. But because there is a ladder and something to aim at, I think it was discussed even three years ago that our goal in three years was to get to the number one spot. So, you know, we're, we're, uh, we're on track. In terms of, I mean, we've had really good buy-in for the last couple of years since Rep Footy came back into the league, I think 2014, but, but this squad's really committed over the journey. Um, you know, how important is it to get that buy-in from, from the best players in the competition to, to want to be part of the representative squad and, and represent the league at, at the highest level? Yeah, look, that, it has been, been fantastic, you know what I mean? And I suppose, you know what I mean, when there's, you know, there's, there's no other motivation other than enjoying a game of football. Um, I've really found that uh, this squad, they actually love the contest, enjoy the game of football. And that's why it's such a pleasure to coach because uh, their, their motivation is just, just to uh, enjoy football and, and challenge themselves against the other sort of the best players from other local competitions. And... Yeah, I mean, and there's sort of a bit of a bond between the group that, uh, yeah, this is it. We're we're really excited to be to be going for that spot, and it's something that, uh, you know, I know I'll I'll hold in high regard in my football memories, and, I, and I'm sure all the players will as well. With the the squad itself, 28 man squad that's been picked, 13 clubs represented. All of the sides in Meadows Greyhounds Division One have at least a representative in the squad. They've also got players um, from three of the clubs in in A Plus Labor Solutions Division Two. How important is it to have that cross section of of all clubs in, particularly in the top flight, canvassed in this squad? Yeah, look, it, it is important, you know, for for all clubs to to feel invested. But at no stage did did we feel obliged. To actually put someone in from from all the clubs that that was never never on the table. We we genuinely believe that we picked the best side available, and where where they come you know from it wasn't a, you know wasn't issue. So look, it's great that it's worked out that way, but that um, we, we've got a real belief that we picked the best side available. In terms of a training program, I understand the, the first session um, on the Monday, um, in I guess two weeks before the game, and then leading into the game, there'll be, uh, I guess, a, a week of training leading in. Can you just give us somewhat of an insight in, as to what's going to take place for, for these players that are part of the squad ahead of the game, which is yeah, being played going, on May 18? Yeah, we're going to follow the same program as we have the previous two years. On Sunday, we all get together for a recovery at Watermark. We'll have a quick team meeting, outline the week ahead. We train together the Tuesday and Thursday. So from the minute Saturday night after everyone's finished their club games, we'll start preparing as a team. And that week will be all spent together um, 
you know, like just any normal team. In terms of your support staff, who have you got working alongside yourself? Yeah, look, I've got all the same support staff as uh, last year. Um, so, Brett, uh, although there's a, maybe one or two missing, we've got uh, uh, Brett Jeffries, the uh, champion from uh, Northcote Park. I think he's about a four-time premiership winner, Brett, and a, a multiple comp best and fairest winner, I think, and a lot of best and fairest under his belt. So he'll coach the midfield. Um, uh, Johnny Manzani will do the defence. Um, Jimmy Atkins will step up and do the forwards this year. Um, and we got uh, Grant Woodward doing the running. Jimmy Sturton on the bench rotations. So yeah, no, we've got a real. We're uh, it's been a real solid group, and um, we've uh, we've stuck together through it as well. Have you had a chance to to take a look at the Geelong squad and, and how much I guess preparation goes into the opposition as opposed to just what we'll be doing ourselves? Um, we we will mainly focus on what we do because I understand with squads and that you, you can never get a total handle on who does and doesn't play. Um, so we'll put more focus on what we do because I'm really confident that you know what we bring to the table if we if we you know bring it and put, you know, execute what we plan. I'm confident we can win no matter who we play. In terms of the leadership of the group, is that something that's yet to be determined, or or is it going to be um, similar to what we've had in, in years gone by? Yeah, I would suggest that you know um, well. Matty Dennis was injured last year, but he comes back this year. So I would suggest, that, you know, from the start, this was always Je- Jesse Donaldson and Matty Dennis. I would suggest they'd be the co-captains again. And, and for yourself, obviously, you, you've had the the privilege to to coach the side for for the past two years. You, you mentioned it's something that you look back on on fondly. But but what are I guess some of the things you've learned as being part of this this program over the past couple of years? Uh, yeah, look, it's been really good to um, to meet different people um, from different clubs. Um, you know, I mean, I think in local football, no one needs to hate each other. We respect that we go hard when it's time to win and when it's over, you know what I mean? There's a lot of nice people out there and, and that's been really good to to actually meet some, you know, really good people from other clubs. So, yeah, that, that's been a, you know, a real positive. Well, Gary, uh, we appreciate your time. Obviously, it's a massive game coming up, fighting for the number one spot in the AFL Victoria Community Championship, ranking that game to be played at Queen's Park on Saturday, May 18th. So we wish you and the squad all the very best of luck, and we hope to get as much support out there on the day as well. Thank you very much, Samuel. Thanks for your support. Boys, uh, as always, good to hear from Gary Ramsey there. Obviously, it's a massive day coming up. We do encourage everyone tuning in, if, if they can, to get out to Queen's Park and, and watch that one. Obviously, we've got a, a bit of a trip down to, to get to Heighton as well, but so much at stake on the day. Obviously, so much action as well for the Northern Football Netball League, senior men's and women's football, as well as two games of netball as well. There's, there's plenty to, to go on on the day, and certainly worth a, a trip down the highway to, to head out Geelong Way. But obviously, it's a day that, that everyone within the entire league is, is certainly looking forward to. Yeah, it's, it's something that uh, supporters of all clubs should really try and get out to because you see the best of the best. And we, we've said you, you're not, we're not, we don't have any AFL or former AFL listed players on our um, in our squad, but the the quality of these guys, a lot of these young kids who are finding their way onto VFL lists and and um, and do, doing some great things, and and guys you, that supporters only get to see really once or twice a year. Um, when their team's playing them. So 
it's a great day and, and I'm sure it'll be a really competitive match. And let's hope we get that number one spot as well in the uh, senior <laughs> yeah. men's competition. Something we can certainly hang our hat on. It's been a lot of hard work to, to get to this game and we know that this side, that we, whichever side it is that we put on the park, is, is going to give their, their absolute best for the league. Guys, we're going to move our attention to Meadows Greyhounds Division 1. Round 4 action just completed at the weekend. And a look back over the results. Saw Hurstbridge 8 goals, 9.57 go down to its closest loss of the year to Montmorency. 9 goals, 20.74. Greensborough overcame, I guess, really poor goal kicking and, and a side that, that was desperate for its first win in, of the year in McLeod. Winning 8 goals, 22.70. To McLeod's 8-7-55 at DeWinton Park. West Preston Lakeside's winless start to the season also continued. 14 goals, 14-98. Went down to Bandura, 18-7-115. Lowell Plenty went down to Northcote Park, 8 goals, 10-58 to 16-13-109. And in the NFNL match of the day, 7 goals to Shane Harvey. Saw North Heidelberg, 13 goals, 20 98 defeat, Heidelberg 7-12-54. It means, boys, after four rounds, we have a breakaway of some sorts at the top. We've still got two undefeated sides in Greensborough and Northcote Park who've opened up a game and percentage gap over both North Heidelberg and Heidelberg. Also, Bundur in that mix as well at 3-1. and And then the top five sits a game and about 30% clear of the next best side in Montmorency. Amazingly, Last year's grand finalists still winless after a month. They're joined by Hurst Bridge at Norton 4. It just, it's been a season that just has headlines being created everywhere and every result seems to really bring up a talking point. Just looking at the ladder as well, uh, the, I reckon there could be a gap that opens up between the top five and the bottom five very soon. Normally we don't see it this early in the season, but Bandura sitting in fifth at the moment. There's three teams on uh, on three wins at the moment, three and one. Uh, but Bandura is the bottom of those three. Montmorency just outside the finals positions uh, with two wins and two losses. So they're on eight points. Monty play Heidelberg next week. Um, if Heidelberg get that win and they get themselves back on the horse after falling off a little bit on the uh, on the last weekend against the Dogs, and Bandura win as well, and they play McLeod, so you'd have to say the Bulls go in as favourites. That's almost a two-game gap that opens up between the top five and the bottom five. Plus which, percentage. Plus percentage, which is, a, which is a bit of a gap. It's almost an unusual gap for this early in the season. Absolutely, and I think a lot of that is being contributed to the, fa- to the fact that the bottom sides just aren't winning games. It's, I can't remember a season where there's been three sides without a win after a month of footy, and mm. certainly can't recall a time where both of the reigning grand finalists haven't had a, a win to the name in the opening month. It's, I mean... We've talked about it last week as to both sides at Norton 3 going into into the previous weekend's round of matches that we couldn't remember a time and both were going to be underdogs at the weekend. Both did go down. Norton 4, the history books might be rewritten now. 1964, the last time that the two reigning grand finalists didn't play off in the finals the next year. Um, both sides, <laughs> we know, at their absolute best capable but just nowhere near it at, at the current time. And there is... I mean, a breakaway of sorts beginning to emerge. Montmorency is probably the one side not in the five that's, that showed some form over the opening four weeks. Yep. The rest are, are certainly playing catch-up footy. And it, and it becomes tougher as well. So last week I said if if McLeod and West Preston go to zero and four, which they have, uh, and looking ahead to this upcoming round, McLeod travel away to Yulong Reserve to play Bundura in good form. West Preston play the best team in the competition right now away at Greensboro. 
every possibility that their seasons go to zero and five now. And last week I was saying at zero and four that these teams might be thinking, geez, our season gone. Well, if zero and five happens, then you almost say it's it's is it season over? Well, at Norton 3, we'd said that there was only three sides who had played finals from Norton 3 since the NFNL referred it to a top five Division 1 competition that, that had gone on from, from Norton 3 to play finals. Norton 4 is obviously a, a different situation. Jared, you watched Greensboro at the weekend. Yeah. They were Norton 5 in 2017, went on to play finals, but had to do something pretty remarkable. They only lost one game thereafter in, in terms of, of making the final series and then and reached the second week of the finals. But you spoke to Mick Harford after the game. He was part of that Greensboro side. Obviously, he's taken the reins full-time now, but even he acknowledges how hard it is to, to for them that year to have been Norton 5 to then make the finals. It, it just means that even the side that has done it has said yeah. how how almost near impossible it was to do. Gee, the... the the work that McLeod and West Preston in particular now have to um, to make finals is it's not insurmountable, but it's going to take something that's pretty remarkable from here. Yeah, Mick Harford said after the game, he said that they fully expected McLeod to come out with fire in the belly because they knew that going to Owen Four would be um, a, a, a incredibly tough task. Um, and McLeod, to their credit, did that. They came out and kicked the first couple of goals early, and just some errant kicking from Greensboro kept them in the match. Uh, but now they go. Now they'll, they'll host West Preston Lakeside in round five action. And once again, he said, if they go to zero and five, then it's 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 such a tough task to do it. And he said, everything basically has to go right for the rest of the season for for them to play finals from this point. And if both McLeod and West Preston go to zero and five, let alone one of them playing finals, both of them playing finals would be. Yeah. An absolute incredible feat. I, I already think it's not possible for both to play finals, and I'm saying that because I think the, the way the top five are currently performing, I can't see two of those yeah. dropping off drastically. And you've already got, say, Montmorency, who's above those two by two games at the moment. I mean, they're going to have to they're going to have to do something pretty remarkable. But what they're also now banking on, even at just Norton Four, is other sites getting results for them as well because mm-hmm. uh, on their own I mean yeah. realistically to play finals you generally say at the start of a year you probably need 10 wins 11 sometimes it's been 12 to get to 12 from, from here yeah, you means you win. can only lose two more games for the rest of the year exactly. that's without having, having one one yet so they're the talking points at the bottom end at the top end it's, it's just so even while there might be a breakaway potentially emerging at the top the, the sides that are currently there, gee, you almost feel they're as, as good as, as one another. We, we saw Heidelberg on the weekend, Jordan, and, and they certainly didn't put their best foot forward. But you, you allow them, I guess, uh, an excuse. I think they had a few few good players out. Chas Sargent didn't play. Will yep. Knight didn't play. Will Goss didn't play. Conditions probably didn't suit them either. They had a, a taller side. North Heidelberg's a, a smaller, more more running side, and with heavy weather, you can you can give him you know, a week to say, well, we can excuse that performance there. They'd be disappointed internally, but at three and one, they'd take the start that they've had. They're in fourth. Bandura's in fifth, having won their past. Uh, three games as well and beating some handy sides obviously North Heidelberg on the weekend they beat a West Preston Lakeside side which was just determined to get its season off the mark so they're the two bottom sides in the five then you've got North Heidelberg which is humming along nicely in third spot three and one only lost by four points and Greensboro North got undefeated at the top and have been really dominant in all their wins haven't looked like losing a game Greensboro's closest win at the weekend was when they kicked 
17 behinds between their first and second goal, it could have been a far greater win. So what we're going to see when these sides start to play each other is just some yeah. some massive matchups, and it almost starts happening pretty soon. We saw North Heidelberg and Heidelberg play at the weekend, where there's some big games coming up this weekend. Probably none bigger than when North Heidelberg travels to Bill Laurie Oval to play Northgate Park this Saturday. We'll, uh, we'll have a look at that game there. The other games to, to look forward to this weekend, I think Heidelberg and Montmorency is a, a really intriguing one because we're going to see Mott now. Are they good enough against the top five? They've beaten McLeod so far this year, did what they had to against Hurstbridge as well. They're two and two, would feel they let one slip in round one, but now they, they need an, another major scalp as well. They need to keep doing it to, to ensure that they're not just making up the numbers that they are a finals contender. Bundura McLeod, well, that's a massive game. While the latter positions might not say so, they always play some good games at a year-long reserve in particular, and obviously so much riding on that game for, for McLeod to potentially open their account, but for Bundura as well to keep winning and, and just ensure that they're you know keeping right up with the pace at, at the top end of the ladder if they're pushing for a potential top three spot. Greensboro, West Preston, Lakeside will... Very similar storyline in that game there. You could almost just say the exact same uh, summation leading into that one there. That's actually a twilight game as well. So 4-10 if you are getting out to that one. New lights out at Greensville War Memorial Park were in, installed over the off-season. They're going to get their first real test. So twilight footy at War Memorial Park. And then the game at Montmorency Park South is really intriguing. It's Lower Plenty and Hurst Bridge. One that at the start of the year some people may have predicted as being the two sides that may be in relegation battle going into the year. They go toe-to-toe and it's a big game for both because Lower Plenty already has the win on the board. Hurstbridge needs to win and if Lower Plenty can win that one they all of a sudden have a two-game percentage gap over Hurst Bridge and then all of a sudden the Bridges are in a real scrap to, to avoid relegation. But if the Bridges can get a win. They're just starting to show enough signs at the weekend. They were close enough against Mont, so uh, they, they'd be confident even on the road going out to Montmorency Park and getting results. So there's five big games, but probably the one with the, the biggest billing this weekend, boys, is the one that's being played between the side that's second on the ladder, coming up against third, Northcote Park, up against North Heidelberg at, at Bill Laurie Oval. And for mine, what makes it so intriguing is it's two contrasting styles. You've got Northcote Park, which is just the land of the Giants, it feels. I don't think Ash Close will play. Collingwood plays on Saturday afternoon against Carlton. My understanding is that work commitments will mean he's at the MCG and not at Bill Laurie Oval. But even without him, you've still got the likes of, um, obviously, Starsevich in that lineup, Galloway in the ruck, Durago, Galafari. Still got such a strong spine for Northcote Park coming up against the shorter North Heidelberg side, which plays a really direct brand of footy and has a mercurial forward in Shane Harvey yeah. at the weekend. We, uh, well, we were blessed to see him uh, kick one of the great goals once again. Is it goal of the year? I called it and I said yes at the time. <laughs> I was uh, full of adrenaline when he, when he kicked that one. I, I don't think the video does it justice. Uh, just the angle he was on to, to volley that one out of midair. And as soon as it left his boot, everyone knew that was going in. Yeah. He just had that perfect arch on it, veered straight to, towards the goal mouth and, and went through. But just the audacity to even have a... Have a tried it to wet ball didn't try to pick it up just hacked it out of mid-air it has to be said the handball to him that came from Jesse Tardio wasn't a tidy handball it was um, if you look at the, the vision it, it was spinning in all sorts and to just hit the, the ball on the right point to get it to, to bend back in and towards it, the goal it face went, incredible it went, it went straight through the middle as well absolutely which was, it, just, it just sort of rounded off the goal perfectly if it had scraped in or it just went in beside the post it would have been spectacular still but the fact that it went straight through the middle just you go gee that's just so perfect 
That's so Shane Harvey perfect. Just putting it straight through the middle at some ridiculous angle, pulling it out of his backside and, and getting it in through the middle. Um, yeah, that was that's going to be hard to beat uh, for goal of the year, I reckon. That's because it's just so it's so unorthodox. Absolutely. So big games coming up. I'm going to throw you under the bus to, to some extent because we've talked significantly about the bottom end of the ladder, and it's it's hard not to when you've got two sides that played off in a grand final last year without a win. It's hard not to be drawn to the storylines that emerge as a result of that. But at the top end, we said from the outset how even that top five feels at the moment. Mm. I think if you had to, to look at it now, you've got, Bund- uh, you've got sorry Greensboro and Northcote Park undefeated. You've got three sides at three and one, all playing good footy in North Heidelberg, Heidelberg and Bandura. If you had to pick a premiership favourite at this time we're only one month into the year so much is still going to happen we understand that but if you had to name your premiership favourite after a month which way would you be going? It's hard to say I mean we saw Heidelberg on the weekend as part of the the call game um, and we sort of left uh, Shelley Park thinking gee what's all the fuss about with the Tigers because they had an off day uh, and as you said before it, it didn't really suit them they don't have as many smalls in their forward 50 as what North Heidelberg do and, and other other teams do. They had Jack Blair playing up there, Anthony Bonadio, but they were kept quiet in the forward 15. And the tools, it just wasn't really suited for them. They took some, some nice grabs, but in the second half when the rain came, it sort of washed out the likes of Grimley and, and Bayek Smith in the forward 50. Um, however, I know that that's not the true Heidelberg from what we saw. So, you know, I'll, I'll, be, uh, I'll reserve judgment on that. Picking a premiership favourite right now, I think you look at the, the two teams at the top and and the things, as as you almost alluded to before, the things that um, define them is are their talls. And um, as as much as we love to marvel at the smalls, and we've got some great small forwards in in our league with Moorcroft and Shane Harvey, Boomer Harvey, Ahmed Saad, or, or mid-sized forwards as well. You can throw Chas Sargent into that. Um, it really is the talls who almost proved the difference. And that was with Northcote Park last year. Not having Ash Close and only having Jackson Stasevic at limited times really affected them. They didn't have those tools. Um, Greensboro have the tools as well. So I think if they can keep those tall players in throughout the, the season, I reckon that's going to suit them much better. Um, picking your premiership favourite, though, outright, I'm going Greensboro. They were my pre-season prediction. I, I loved... The, the, the signings they brought in, they didn't have a high volume of signings, but the ones that they did bring in, the new additions were high quality. All serve a purpose, don't they? Yeah, and, and for that reason, I'm still sticking with Greensboro. I may as well, because I picked them pre-season and they, they're travelling well so far. Well, no reason to jump off yeah. at four and zero top of the ladder. Jared, do, do you differ in any way? No, I'm exactly the same as Jordan. I, I, I picked Greensboro um, pre-season and I, I said the same thing, that the, the quality of the signings that they brought in, obviously Tom Bell was a big one. He only played a quarter on the weekend and, and had to come off with a hamstring injury. You'll see how, if that takes any time away from him this season, but I just think they're, they're such a well-drilled side. They've, they've played together as a group for a few years now and they just, it, it just works. And they're... yeah, you, you always, when, when I, whenever, whenever I go to watch Greensboro, they always put in a good performance and they just work so well as a team that I think it's hard to go past them. But they've taken, I think, a leaf from McLeod's book, whether this was by by uh, by design or whether it just sort of happened this way by accident. McLeod, we always... The one thing that we um, that we sort of, uh, I suppose, characterised with McLeod in, in their sort of four or five years of dominance was that they all... We knew that they all came up together. They all knew each other. They were, they were the brothers that came up through the youth and they were all friends. And even the players who came in 
were all, you know, they were mates from back when they played juniors. So the additions they brought in, like Ned McEwen and Liam Brandt, obviously the Brandt name's big at, at McLeod, but they all knew each other. And Greensboro, I get the same feeling because they're, they're coming up through the 19s and through the reserves and now into the seniors. I'm sure a lot of them played juniors together, big juniors program down there. I feel like that's, as much as we love to talk about the, the big names and, and big names and former AFL players so always a, a talking point in, in local footy it really is in our league especially it really is the, 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 the chemistry of the team and having that unity and that brotherhood together and I think I think Greensboro have that brotherhood that, that new wave of youngsters that have come in over the last two, two or so years two or three years have come in at the same time there's a wave of them and now they're, it's, the chemistry is instant and now they're just embellishing on the sides with Tom Bell and Ben Fennell, and, and they're a good team. Yeah, I, I'm between the top three, I, I find it hard to, to separate. I think all in their day are more than capable. I just always like to look down the list as well and not just look at the absolute top end. And I think North Heidelberg, in terms of absolute match winners, might have everyone covered. I just think on their day when... I mean, if Brent or Shane Harvey has a day out in, in a big final... Jesse Tardio has done it on the big stage so many times. I think that they might have the, the X-Factor players as well, but I like to look all the way down, and if you look at even the reserves ladder right now at Greensborough, four straight wins in the twos, only conceded 69 points in the first four rounds in, in, the, res, in the reserves. Um, you know, if North Kapaku's second, their reserves are bottom without a win. So I just think if, you know, if you start to pick up a few injuries, it's inevitable that will happen in, as the colder days start to come out as well. They probably bat that, that bit deeper. North Heidelberg's reserves going along okay as well, but at the same time, um, yeah. If I was to, to say at this stage, I'd probably be on Greensboro as well. But I just think North Heidelberg, you just get seduced a bit when you see those good players playing well and already in big games to start the year. They might have the X factor. Northcote Park. Well, they were the one time I saw them live was a Friday night game to start the season. Amazing. Then mm. I'm actually a part of me actually thinks that it might be a good thing them to, to go into a big game like they are this weekend without one of those, say, two tall forwards. And he does get lost in the, the importance of also having, say, Durago and Galafaro coming back into the side. Galloway's been outstanding since joining this year, but um, everyone talks about those two key forwards. But I don't think it's a bad thing playing a game against a, a side that's also in premiership contention without one of those two. They see where they're at now as well, and, and they can... One, they can plan, one, to, to see, well, if we get to a big game later in the year, that we don't have one, that we, we've done it before, and if they can win without one, well, gee, what does that say about them as well? So I don't think it's always the worst thing. North Heidelberg's defence is really underrated as well, I feel. Um, the, the shine gets taken off their back line because of who they've got in midfield and up yeah. front. Um, but we've, we've seen Ryan McGee close down Ahmed Saad in the finals match. We've seen Nick Matthews be the rock in, in the back line. Daniel Bramich, the leader in the back half of the field. Um, if he wants, Lee Gilbert can go back there as well. He's got a license to roam. Um, and, and we don't really talk about their back line as much, but they do have a fine back line. You want to keep them occupied, I feel. So having not having one of those twin towers up there might let... You know, um, Bramich to peel off a bit, or Matthews to play free, and, and McGee will play the lockdown on on Starsevich. But um, yeah, that's that's going to be a fascinating battle. Those those uh, well, the the one key forward anyway. If Ash Close doesn't play against an underrated but very high, highly capable Dogs defence, going to be a big game, no doubt about that. We're going to take a short break, and on the other side of this, have a look at A Plus Labor Solutions Division Two.
The Meadows Conference and Events Centre offers a range of conference opportunities for your next event. Whether it be an end-of-year work party, the next conference, or even a funeral or wake, The Meadows can host any event. To find out more info, head to themeadowsevents.com.au. Now looking at A-plus Labor Solutions Division 2 and looking back on the round four results, the weekend that just went by and probably the upset of the round took place at Altham Central Park where Altham 5-7-37 lost to the Fitzroy Stars 9-13-67. Watsonia in the undefeated battle against Banyul went down to its first loss of the season 4-12-36 to Banyul 15-7-97. Thomastown 16-14-110 registered another good win downing Diamond Creek 13-7-85 and Whittlesey 13.785 got past a very inaccurate St Mary's 6.21.57. The Borough, 27 scoring shots to 20 in that one, went down by 28 points and maybe perhaps let go of an opportunity to win their first game since being promoted. But a, uh, an interesting weekend of results, probably the highlight of the weekend, or I guess the biggest result, the Fitzroy Stars getting its first win, downing Altham away from home. Pretty remarkable, Jared, given the disparity between the two sides in their three outings back in 2018. Yeah, they, they played, we worked it out before the before we started recording, three games in 2018, average of 105 um, points margin in favour of Altham last year. And I think everyone kind of came into the 2019 season. Altham were dominant in Division 2 um, in 2018, and then it took until the last kick of the grand final for them to um, for them to lose to lose, and, and they're back in Division Two this year. They've lost a few players, um, but we I think everyone kind of thought once again they'd be that dominant team and they'd be the standard in, in Division Two. So for Fitzroy, who had a bit of an off year last year, it's good to see them back um, and to see Fitzroy get over the top of Altham in a pretty convincing way as well. To uh, uh, as 30 points at the end, so yeah, a good result for Fitzroy, but I wouldn't say it's it's worrying for Altham just yet. It's an interesting looking ladder as it currently stands. Obviously now four weeks in, Banyul, despite having played one less game, is is clear at the top. It's only a percentage differential, but you almost feel it's a game in percentage, and, and they've been the dominant side. I think a lot of people you talk to uh, are happy to say that Banyul's the premiership favourite, whether that's sides who are happy to deflect attention from themselves, or, or whether it's a, a genuine belief, but I I think they have clearly played the best footy over the opening month of the season. Their best has been better than anyone else's. It's a it's a tall side they've got in there. Obviously, Tim Martin's a key recruit. Jack Langford as well. Some of the other additions have been Ricky Dyson amongst the best players at the weekend as well. So they're, they're the side at the top. And then I feel you can almost throw a blanket over you know so many of them there. Whittlesey and Thomastown have worked their way nicely up the ladder there, second and third respectively. What's only... A, couldn't quite match it with the best at the weekend. Um, you know, slow out of the gates and then didn't kick a goal after half time. Diamond Creek and Eltham are sitting fifth and sixth respectively at two and two, and and the stars are the, probably the ones that are, are coming from below. Uh, there's a good article that, that Ben Pascuzzi wrote on the NFNL website um, this week. He had a chat with Hayden Hetter, who's the coach of of the stars, and he said that. They were confident going to, to Altham at the weekend. He felt that they probably, in uh, the first two weeks, let themselves down, probably should have claimed a win uh, at least uh, out of those two close losses to start the year. But, um, you know, they've got so many new players, up to, you know, 16 new faces in that side that weren't there last year. So they're probably still, as he said, they're, they haven't, they're far from 
you know, I guess completely gelling as well. So they're best yet to come as well. And it's really exciting. It's unfortunate that Epping and, and St Mary's have been left behind in the pack, it seems, at, uh, at this early stage. They get a fantastic opportunity this weekend. They, they both oh, they play against each other, so one of them's going to register its first win of the year, barring a draw. But, um, you know, the, the rest of those sides, if Banyuls the side in front, well, there's plenty of sides who are at least trying to be that, that next next side in, in the rung, and it just makes it so exciting. Every weekend we feel like there's you know a handful of, of big games that, that really could have a significant impact on the ladder. I just wonder in that Eltham-Fitzroy game, um, I wonder where that steely resolve from the week before went because they were, they were in a similar position, Eltham, the week prior against Whittlesey where they were down all game about you know uh, three or four goal margin consistently throughout the match but then outscored Whittlesey in the last quarter, six goals to one or two, I think, in that last term. Um, similar position again on, on the weekend against the Stars. They were down by about four-ish goals, three, three four goals, but were never able to turn that around, and, and their scoring was so low as well. I mean, they only had the one behind in the first quarter and, and finished the game on 5-7. Um, I just I, I wonder what, what the difference was from, from one week to the other, especially in a low-scoring week as well. It wasn't like... Fitzroy pulled away and, and really put the hammer down on, on the Panthers. They were always always within touching distance. Yeah, and interesting that it was the first game that Adam Oxley played and it was actually one of Altham's best players as well. So you would have... Well, I mean, certainly I, I thought that they would go on and win that game given the way they finished against... Uh, the Whittlesea Footy Club the week before, but maybe those first three quarters are starting a sign. Obviously, there's some good players that come back in, so it's yep. not panic stations yet, but just not travelling as, as nicely as they were last year. Whittlesea, I mean, they bounce back, but it's it's not convincing. When obviously, just looking at that scoreline, and you see that you know, St Mary's, particularly early in the game, at half-time, 6-2 Whittlesea, St Mary's 2-11. That one could have been very different. Mm. Um, so, not that the jury's out, but there certainly haven't been... You know, they've still got to con- do a bit more convincing to, to say they're going to be up to a side like a Banyol. But one side that's, that's doing quite nicely is, is Thomastown. Just keep sneaking under the guard. But they've beaten some pretty good sides now. When, when you look over their wins, beat the Stars on Anzac Day. Um, had the win now over Diamond Creek as well. And they're, they're just starting to, to build. They had a disappointing loss to start the year. Uh, went down in the uh, the first game of the year against Altham, but last three weeks have been pretty good, really convincing winners over St Mary's in round two, then those two wins I've just alluded to as well, and starting to come good. They're getting so much out of their more recent recruits. I mean, Anthony Capici at the weekend, he kicked six. Um, ben Neshi's among the best players as well. Uh, still like really like the work of Daniel Caruso and Dylan Chapman returned to the side at the weekend amongst the best players. That was a big game against Diamond Creek, and it probably could have been a greater winning margin. Diamond Creek was able to get some, some late goals and, and make that one look a bit closer on the final scoreboard as well. But Thomas down in the pre-season, I think back to when we did our preview, uh, pre-season preview and, and Tom Flanagan thought that they had a list profile that could you know, mm. potentially challenge for, for the flag and they're starting to build nicely. Those wins like they had on the weekend against Diamond Creek, it's a, it was a real eight-point game. Um, yeah. going to be significant come season's end. Yeah, we said that last week, didn't we? Eight-point game, this one, um, Tomo and, and Diamond Creek, and, and this was the sort of game... I know it's only... Look at the ladder. There's only one game difference between uh, the Bears at the moment and, and Diamond Creek, um, so this you know this gap can be made up in, in one or two weeks if results go the right way for, for the Creekers, but um, I feel like this was a game that could have split these two sides off, so whoever won this game... It's an early statement game. Um, potentially, and and Thomastown made that statement, and 
you know, you look at the, the score and just the flow of scoring through the game. Thomastown led by almost 50 points at three-quarter time. That's a big margin. They put the queue in the rack a bit last quarter, only the, the 10 points all up. Um, but but that was that's a statement to put down on a team who is probably in a similar position to Thomastown, sort of on the fringe, looking to, to really cement their spot as a finalist for this year, uh, having been on the fringe for a little while. Um, and Thomastown sort of put the hammer down on, on Diamond Creek and made that statement. Um, that could be that could be a sort of win that, that that could be a landmark win for Thomastown where they'll they'll mark that down on the calendar and they'll look back at that at times in the season and say, you know, this was when we when we announced ourselves. Some some big games this weekend. Thomastown now travels to Watsonia. Watsonia gets an opportunity at, at redemption. They were really slow at the gates against Spaniel and gave themselves no chance early and, and then in the end weren't able to, to really hit the scoreboard at any stage in in the second half. So it's a big game at AK Lines Reserve. At Coventry Oval, it's a bit of redemption for both Diamond Creek and Alton. They're both looking to respond to, to disappointing round four wins. So one side is going to be able to do that. One of them is going to be, you know, have a, a two-game losing streak hanging over their head going into the representative weekend away, so to speak. So that's a huge game at, at Coventry Oval. Remembering Diamond Creek actually won against Alton the last time they played at that venue in round 17 last year to keep their finals hopes alive. We mentioned a few moments ago that St Mary's and Epping, this is their biggest game for the year now. They've both had really tough starts to the year. Had you know For St Mary's, it's four straight losses. For Epping, it's three. Had the bye at the weekend, but lowly percentages. This is a really winnable game. And, and when you've had some heavy losses, you can look forward to these games, but you can also... You know, go in with a bit of trepidation because you know that this is almost like a mini final for you as well. You, you don't want to let the opportunity go by. So it's a it's a really big test for, for these two sides as well. So um, a big game at Watmore Park. And then the one I'm really intrigued by is the one at Sir Douglas Nichols Oval. Fitzroy Stars against Banyul. If the Stars came, you know, come out with the same... Uh, kind of performance they produce at Altham. Why can't they knock over a side like Banyul on their home paddock? You look at some of the ins and Carl Groth returned from a hamstring injury, one of their new recruits that came with, I guess, plenty of hype. He was outstanding in the win at the weekend. Lionel Proctor's back from a one-year retirement, so to speak, and he's been in great touch. Uh, Jake Firebrace is adding plenty to that sign. Cade Proctor is, is leaning from the front. Kane obviously had a great year at Bandura last year, and coming back into second division has been a standout as well. And, and for Banyul, well, they're looking to really impose themselves on, on the competition. They've done it over the their opening three games, but I think they'll see this as a real challenge now, coming up against a side that, hey, well, if we all thought that Banyul and Altham were the two at the front at the start of the year, Stars have, have just beaten Altham. Banyul might, you know, be you know, beating their chest, saying, well. You might have beat them, but you know, not us this week. And they didn't have James Chrysoratus at the weekend, didn't have Daniel Camilleri, so key players at either end of the ground, but still went to Watsonia, recorded a really big win. But I think that both sides, are the Stars and, and Banyul, really setting themselves for this game here. So I think that's going to be a cracker at, at Sir Douglas Nichols Oval. Yeah, I, I think Banyul, uh, Banyul really have to just make sure they're not complacent going into this one because it is definitely one that they just can drop and... Um, something that people probably might not have expected at the start of the season, Fitzroy to get over Banyul, but um, at home, Fitzroy, they're, they're looking good, they're, they're coming in off good form, and it's going to be a real challenge, they're going to really take it up to Banyul, so it's going to be a, a, a great match, and it'll be great to see what Fitzroy can do against, really, the the, the standard in Division 2 this year. Absolutely, and, and if, if like, it is a big if hypothetical, but if they knock over Altham and Banyul in consecutive weeks, look out. So they're a side that's one and two that 
could well have been Norton. Uh, sorry, three and zero. If you know things go their way, two close losses to start the year gave away opportunities by their own admission. Some some poor discipline at times at key moments has cost them as well in the opening two losses. But yeah, they they they're primed for this one, and Banuel I'm sure is going to be ready as well. So that should be a great game. The one thing that can't happen for the Stars is get smashed, because. The missed results at the start of the season, and um, as good as their their win on the weekend against Eltham was, if they get pummeled by the Bears, that's going to hurt their confidence a lot because now they look at the ladder and go, "We've only got the one win to show from the first four mu- from the first four games, and we've played good football, but we haven't yeah. got the results." And that's now we're now we're playing from a long way behind. And could then, yeah, as you say, potentially be you know two games and percentage out of yep. the the four as well. So that's that's a massive game that one there at Sir Douglas Nichols Oval. We'll take a short break on the other side of this. A look at Heidelberg Golf Club Division Three. The Meadows is a functions and events centre with a difference. Only 25 minutes from the city and 10 minutes from the airport with free parking, Wi-Fi and AV access. It's the ideal venue for your next conference, trade show, expo or seminar. You can even hold an event on a Greyhound race night for extra entertainment. And don't forget the Meadows' new loyalty program, the 525 Club. Download it free from your app store. For more info, visit themeadowsevents.com.au. And now into Heidelberg Golf Club Division 3, where at the weekend, round four action saw two absolute thrillers, two blowouts, unfortunately. The thrillers, well, they came down to the basically final moments of the game. South Morang had a draw with Old Altham Collegians. South Morang 9-8-62 drew with the Turtles, eight goals, 14-62. Nathan Tassel, as we said from the outset of the show, a shot after the final siren just missing to the left. So that one means that both uh, sides share the two points. Old Altham Collegians have the, the rare history of their first result in the Northern Football Netball League being a draw. It was just as close and compelling in what was a game that was you know, really going into it, so much anticipation, and it lived up to the billing. Panton Hill be ruining wasted opportunities. 9-20-74 went down to Lorimer, 11-9-75. That was despite leading by 31 points at quarter time. And then elsewhere, Heidelberg West, far too good for Laylor, 22-9-141 to Laylor, 6-6-42. And Mernda, 18 goals, 22-130. Way too good for Reservoir, one six twelve Boys, looking at the ladder now, and amazingly, it's Heidelberg West on top of the table after four rounds, undefeated, a percentage of 185. They sit on percentage uh, above Lorimer, whose percentage is 157, and then two games clear of Panton Hill and Kilmore, albeit those two both have a game in hand. Heidelberg West goes into the bye this weekend, there is action in Heidelberg Golf Club Division 3 the weekend after they don't have the buy over the representative weekend. So Heidelberg West's week off is only a single week, but they'd be really content with how they've gone in the opening month. It's great to see them atop the ladder. It's been such a, a, a hard toil for them uh, for the best part of a couple of decades almost, but a finals drought that's extended 25 years, maybe about to burst uh, in 2019. Yeah, and they've done they've done such a good job over the last couple of years. We saw, I think it was two or three years ago, that they kind of came out of nowhere and were sitting in that fifth, sixth spot on, on the on the ladder. And we thought maybe there's a bit of life in this team. And, and to their credit, they haven't um, settled for anything less. They've just kept kept improving over the last few years and, and really found um, 
a lot of form and, and doing really well to start this season and I think a really good chance to play finals. They'd have to think from now. I mean, finals would be so disappointing if they, they didn't get there from here. Four and zip. They, last year, they were naught and three. Didn't win their first game until I think it was round five. They might have had a buy early as well, but they're setting the platform for themselves, aren't they, Jordan Canales? And from here, they'd be disappointed if they didn't reach the finals. I mean, you look at them, they're 16 points. Fifth place, South Rang's also played four games and sits on six points. They've set a platform, the Hawks, and anything less than finals now, a major disappointment. I'm just looking at their scorers as well, and you're right, anything anything uh, they should make finals, it would be massively disappointing if they don't from this position. But looking at their goal scorers as well, they are spreading their goals as, as well as any team right now. I've just sort of clipped a, a little stat from the top 15 um, goal scorers on the, on the table at the moment. They've got four of the top 15, which is as good as any other team, and they're spreading them well. Kyle Hewitt returning, we've, we've spoken about him almost every week when we mention... Uh, Heidelberg West, he's got the 15 goals sitting in second, but then you have other handy goal scorers as well, Jack Maris has kicked 9 goals for the season Ryan Offer from just the 2 games has 6 goals, Zach Tranter who's a a handy sort of mid-sized forward has kicked 6 goals as well, so they're spreading them well, which is great, which is proving that they've now got a good good, um, uh, array of players who can contribute to the team and for, I guess, the other undefeated side, Lorimer, that's a real test of their credentials at the weekend. I think the fact they were 31 points down as well, mm. a test of character, and to come away with that win at Panton Hill, that might be the best win in the club's short history at senior level. Absolutely, yeah. They they were 31 points down at, uh, at quarter time, as you said, and in dramatic circumstances at the end, Samuel, they got the one-point win with uh, with late goals flying in from big men. Remarkable final five <laughs> minutes of that one. If you get a chance, do look at the, the replay at nfnl.org.au. But basically, the, the lead changed hands a couple of times. Matt Williams, uh, sorry, uh, Josh Williamson put the side in front with about five minutes to go for Lorimer. Uh, kicked the goal from the goal line, went for a, a high five, only to see there's all <laughs> Fenton Hill supporters behind the goals there. So no, no love shown there. Um, ball goes down the other end of the ground. Matty Byron uh, converts for Panton Hill, puts them back in front. And then a couple of opportunities for Lorimer went forward a couple of times in the dying stages. A, a quick kick came out of defence for Panton Hill and it was uh, the Ruckman, Big Brennan, Michael Brennan, who takes possession for Lorimer, takes a couple of strides from the middle of the ground. And it is a small field, but from the near midway point of yeah. AE Cracknell Reserve, put one straight through the middle, gets his side a one-point win. And it means that the last two matches, Lorimer's had the, the great escape wins almost. Justin Sherman kicked the winner on Anzac Day when it was a bit of the reverse. They were the side that was well in the clear and, and almost uh, had the fade-out loss. And then this time around, able to cl- complete a, a remarkable come-from-behind victory. Uh, Jake Richards, uh, outstanding in, in that win as well. So, um, yeah, big for them. For Panton Hill, will they be disappointed? 9-20 to not go on with the win. And, mm. and you just... Uh, I mean, that's their, their first loss. I don't think it's it's dramatic. They'd be disappointed. It might actually work in the long run. It might just make them that, that little bit more hungry as well. But yep. for me, that top three is a bit ahead of the rest at the moment. Kilmore's probably the, the next side in the rung as well. They'll return from the uh, the buyer this weekend. And, um, but but the, the top sides are, are certainly emerging from the pack. Inaccuracy has been the uh, the unfortunate name of the weekend, I think. We didn't really talk about it much, talking about Divi 1 and 2, but Mont- uh, Montmorency, Greensboro as well. I think there was a few in Divi 2. And, yeah, St Mary's in particular. Yeah, too. and then Panton Hill, 9 goals, 20 um, in this game. That was, you know, they'll look at that game and go, gee, we should have won that. 20 behinds. I mean, that was that was in their hand. Um, 
they do go to two and one. They've played one less game as well. So you look at the ladder, it's a little bit warped because of that one less game, but Heidelberg West on 16 points, Lorimer 16, Panton Hill third in eight. So they're two games behind. Um, just looking at that, you go, I mean, on the absolute face value, you go, oh, gee, Panton Hill are a few games back. They have played the one less game, of course. So, um, But it is it is a little challenge for them now to just try and get themselves back back to level with Lorimer and Heidelberg West in the, in the coming weeks. And just looking ahead to this weekend's games, Heidelberg West, as we said, have the bye in, in round five. Old Altham Collegians are at home to Lorimer. Now, you just wonder, the last two weeks, Old Altham Collegians have been in winning positions. They'd be disappointed to, to not have claimed a scalp at the weekend, particularly that second term, they kicked, uh, oh, sorry, third term, 2-9, when they could have put the game away against South Morang, led late, and the Lions came with a late burst with a couple of late goals and, and that final behind after the siren. And the week prior to that, they were in a winning position against Kilmore. So it's a game that Lorimer can't afford to take lightly, particularly having had now two thrillers. Do they have that emotional letdown, who knows? But you'd say Lorimer the favourite, but old Altham Collegians, um, just uh, they, they could be a danger on on their home paddock. Kilmore's at home to Reservoir at JJ Clancy Reserve. Kilmore returning from the bye. Laylor, well, they'll be looking to respond. They were disappointing at the weekend. They played Heidelberg West and were, were, after a, an even start were pretty disappointing after quarter time. So looking for a response, but it'll be tough at Laylor uh, Reserve up against uh, Panton Hillside on the rebound. And then Mernda up against South Rain might be might be the one that those two sides are, you know, the loser is really starting to lose ground with the, the top four sides, particularly if you know results go as expected and the favourites win. Um, you know, the losers potentially, you know, three games, maybe ten points off the the top four all of a sudden. So that's a big game at at uh, Waterview Recreation Reserve. Mernda's improved form at the weekend. Not only did they get the win, but a massive percentage boost as well. So that, that'll do them the world of good. South Morang will... It depends which way you look at it. Maybe fortunate to get a draw at the weekend. Unfortunate. You know, they could say that, that last shot goes in and we get the win as well. But they've... You look at their last three weeks, it's kind of hard to know what to make of them. They've had the... Yeah. Well, just the whole year, really. Had the close win at Kilmore where they've come from behind to win in round one. Smashed in round two. Up by yeah a good margin against Heidelberg West in round three. Let that one slip to lose by less than a kick. And then at the weekend, as you say, is it a great escape to get the two points? Is it another two points they let slip? Not quite sure where they sit. And, and it's an interesting game because Munda, um, you know, first two weeks, poor or, or average at best, probably should have beaten Lorimer. You know, led late and a bit of brilliance by Justin Sherman. Late gets Lorimer across the line and then, you know, produce what they did against Reservoir, albeit a weakened Reservoir as well, but still went on with the job nicely and only conceded one goal for the day. So two sides who give themselves a good winning chance. So it just creates a really intriguing matchup, that one. It's it's funny, isn't it, the draw? I mean, it's either those those two points, it's either the handy points to get yourself just your nose above the teams behind you, or it's the... Uh, it's the it's the the devastating points because you're two points behind and it could mean two points outside of finals if your percentage is good. Um, it's a big game for them this weekend, South Morang. It's probably it might well be the the game of the week really in um, in Division Three when you look at it. It might not be a an overly tantalising matchup because it's not Heidelberg West or Lorimer or Panton Hill who are the top teams, but it's a meaningful game for both South Morang and Mernda as well because Mernda in a similar position, Jared, who wanted get themselves up near finals because they haven't been there for a while. Well, we spoke about eight-point games in Division 2, and this could well be one. They're, they're both kind of looking for that um, gaining ground in that top four in Division 3, so they're both kind of 
looking to gain gain traction and really get kick their season off and really get involved in that, in that finals race. And we know it's really early, but this game could mean a lot in the long run. Absolutely, and, and for the loser, you start to lose ground, and you don't want to be you know right behind the eight ball so early in the season as well. So it's a really important one. It gives you, well, I was going to say one word, but you might need two if you're tipping South Morang. If you had to tip the winner in that one there, albeit we haven't seen the team selection come <laughs> to hand, so we're doing it earlier in the week. But if you had to tip either way, both sides form, form like hard to go by this year. But if you had to tip a winner, which way would you go? I'd probably go South Morang. I'll say Mernda. I'm going Mernda as well. I think if you look at the turnaround they had at Lorimer, and then, go, I mean, it's hard to gauge, obviously, without being disrespectful to Reservoir, but they are the, the bottom side in the competition. Won that one so well. But if I go off the form line through Lorimer, I think that I tip Mernda there. But, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be an interesting game, that one there. So plenty at stake. Uh, this coming weekend, we've also got the final round of grading in the NFNL women's competition. So uh, after this weekend's complete, the, the competition splits into the, the three divisions. Uh, I guess in terms of the significant games at the weekend, one um, one point of note was that there was a really good uh, th- a triple header out at uh, VU Western Spurs at, at Henry uh, Turner Reserve where... And the, ga- the games were held uh, in recognition of, of Guide Dogs Victoria as well. So a great uh, initiative there by the VU Western Spurs who had uh, two wins on the day. Their, their second and, and first sides uh, got wins um, at, at their home ground as well in front of you know, good crowds there as well and for a really good cause. And also uh, West Preston Lakeside defeated Bandura, handed Bandura its first ever loss in women's football. So West Preston Lakes are getting a few key players back in the side um, yeah, Monique Di Matteo come, come back in. She's played some VFL footy in the past as well. She kicked three goals. Cat O'Brien and Kwasi Bolt amongst the best players there as well. But uh, the reigning second division premiers beating the reigning third division premier. So for Bandura, that, that long run of, uh, of victories comes to an unfortunate end. But uh, this weekend, the final weekend of, of grading, and then uh, we get uh, into the real uh, the real thick of the, the season as well. Obviously, um, you know, teams keep their, their competition points and whatnot from, from the grading rounds as well. But um, we get a better idea of things once we uh, had the, uh, the completion of grading. Before we close out uh, this weekend's episode, it is a, a really significant weekend in the Northern Football Netball League. It is Pat Cronin Foundation Round. Uh, this weekend's games across all football and netball competitions are being played uh, in support of the Pat Cronin Foundation. Obviously, it's a, a foundation that's so close to um, you know many clubs in the Northern Football Netball League, in particular Lower Plenty and Research. Um, you know, it's such a tragic story um, that that uh, that has eventuated over. The, or three years ago now, and uh, obviously the Pat Cronin Foundation uh, is dedica- dedicated to, to honouring the life of, of Patrick Cronin and, and aiming to raise awareness to prevent coward punch attacks. Um, all clubs in the Northern Football Netball League really encouraged to, to get behind the round this weekend. There's some uh, some initiatives that are being put in place um, for, for clubs to get behind, and I guess in uh, in recognising the round, we've been fortunate enough to have a chat to Matt Cronin from the Pat Cronin Foundation, who just gave us, uh, I guess, an update from the foundation itself and, and just some insight into what the round will entail. Here is Matt Cronin from the Pat Cronin Foundation. Matt, we appreciate your time in, in joining us today on the NFNL podcast. It's obviously a, a big round for not only the Northern Football Netball League, but the Pat Cronin Foundation as well as we really try to, to spread a, a really important message. Yeah, thanks for having us, Samuel. Um, yeah, look, it is... Uh it's, it's become a really important date in the diary of the foundation. 
Um, you know, it's just over three years ago, it was April 16th, that, uh, you know, Pat and Lucas played their first game of senior footy together at the Lower Plenty Footy Club. Um, and, you know, they went, um, Pat went out that night and didn't come home. So uh, it's, it's hard to believe that three years have passed, but, you know, the support that we've had right from the get-go from the whole of the Northern Footy Netball League community has been nothing short of amazing. Yeah. Obviously, you know, such a, a tragic situation. You're, you're so heavily connected to the Northern Football Netball League. Um, yeah, how important is it now to, to ensure that the message is spread right throughout the community to ensure that, that things like these just, just don't happen again? Yeah, look, I, I don't think we can under understate the importance of the message. Um, you know, it was, it, it's just, you know, one of the words we use all the time is just that Pat's death was so senseless. It shouldn't have happened. Um, you know, he went out, you know, it wasn't a football celebration night. It was just a quiet night to, you know, the, the local up at Diamond Creek there with the, the Winey Mile and, you know, a quiet night with a few of his mates. And, um, you know, a, a fight breaks out. Pat goes to the assistance of his mate who's on the ground getting, you know, getting bashed and, um, you know, for his troubles, if you like, doing what we would have told him to do is just to look after your mates. Um, you know, a coward hits him from behind and, um, you know, the rest is, um, we know what the outcome was. So, you know, for us, it's it's a message. You know, we know that our message is um, it gets through to people. Um, people realise that, you know, if this could happen to a kid like Pat Cronin, it could absolutely happen to anyone. So, so important for us to get this message out. You know, the education sessions we've been running at, at footy clubs and at schools, everywhere we go, the message uh, is received exactly the same. It says, oh, my God, this is just so senseless. So, you know, it's a, as a... It, it, for us, it's a it's a community. Um, we need a community solution to it. Um, we've got to raise the standards and say, you know what, this isn't acceptable behaviour, and let's work on this together. In terms of um, the association with the Northern Football Netball League, obviously this round that the Pat Cronin Foundation ran, it's I guess we talk about raising awareness, but it's such a you know football clubs and, and netball clubs are you know such community hubs as well. We have a, a vast array of people there from obviously the playing group, but then there's obviously families that are connected there when you've got kids coming through the club and also adults at the other end. You can reach such a, a broad spectrum of people when we're trying to to get this message out through you know football and netball clubs. We've, we've, we've put a, uh, a newsletter out um, or something that's gone out through all the channels of the Northern Football Netball League and, you know, to the clubs. Just some simple things that can be done. Um, you know, we, we often just talk about it. it it's just a, um, you know, you don't hit someone full stop, but definitely don't hit them from behind. It's, you know, just such a lack of respect to, to strike someone in the first instance, but particularly when they're, they're not expecting to be hit. So some of the messages that we've put out there, are, you know, about respect, for other people and you know one of one of the little gestures that we've suggested we did this last year and i think it was really well received and i'm starting to notice it more and more at a lot of games is um you know when i was growing up i'm i'm 54 and when i was growing up playing footy you always shook the hand of your opponent before the game and also after the game so i know we we see it all all the time after the games these days but not necessarily always before the game so that's just a really simple little gesture that we can do. And I know that a lot of the football and netball teams are going to do that this weekend, um, both before and after the game. It's just something that... And when they do that, you know, for, for us, um, we, we feel really good about that because when they shake the hand of the opponent before the game, they're actually going to be thinking about Pat. 
and said, we're doing this because this is a Pat Cronin Foundation round, but how good would it be if we just did that every week? And um, it just became part and parcel of, of how we go about things. Uh, obviously, for, for clubs that are tuning in, there's obviously some, I guess, um, uh, programs that they can, can get involved in as well. I know yourself and, and the entire foundation go out and, and provide presentations at you know at, at all levels uh, within the community, whether it be you know schools, clubs themselves. But uh, how do they go about perhaps arranging a, a presentation at their club if, if they wish to choose that way? Yeah, sure. Yeah, it's, look, it's as simple as, you know, you can go to our website. There's an inquire button on our website, which is www.patcronenfoundation.org.au um, or they can shoot us an info, uh, an email at info at patcronenfoundation.org.au. Um, yeah, we'd welcome the opportunity with, you know, in terms of our infrastructure to support this, we've, uh, we've appointed a, an education manager. It's his job to get out there to the schools and clubs to deliver these presentations. Robin and I also have been doing presentations ourselves. But as you can imagine, it gets pretty hard um, for us to do that. Um, what I'm really thrilled about, however, though, is that there's a group of Pat's mates who have also stuck their hand up and, and want to get involved in the foundation and delivering the message. So you know, we're, we're adding to our arsenal, if you like, in terms of the capability uh, and capacity to be able to deliver on these programs. So um, you know, I think anyone who's ever been to one of our sessions will say it's certainly confronting. Um, it's a tough message that we've got to deliver but everyone goes away I think inspired by the fact that we do need to make change and there's also I believe another documentary screening coming up uh, later in May as well yeah that's right so Wednesday the 15th of May um, so that's uh, that screening is going to be held at Eltham College um, the documentary we had made was filmed in August of 2016 and you know it's a series of interviews um, with uh, both myself and Robin, uh, you know, Pat's brother and sister, Lucas and Emma, and then also groups of his friends and, and young cousins as well. So, you know, it, it certainly brings a, um, you know, a lump to the throat and a tear to the eye, but so, so, so important to just to share this because what it shows is the absolute impact of such a senseless, cowardly act and, and the knock-on effect, as we've seen, you know, right throughout our community so that, that's screening um, 15th of uh, May, uh, Wednesday night at Eltham College. You can buy tickets. Well, when I say buy tickets, the tickets are free, but you can actually book a ticket online at our um, at the Pat Cronin Foundation website. So uh, you can get that via Facebook and there's a link there or, or, or directly to the, the um, website as well. Well, Matt, uh, we really appreciate your time in, in joining us on the podcast. Obviously, uh, such a significant uh, foundation that, uh, that, that you were behind at the Northern Football Netball League. We, we really appreciate uh, your time and uh, we really look forward to the whole Northern Football Netball League community getting behind Pat Craner Foundation round this coming weekend across all football and netball competitions. We encourage everyone, uh, as we've just said, to, to if they can't uh, book a program with, with the club to, uh, to get out and, and watch the screening as well. Uh, Matt, we hope it's a successful weekend and uh, you just keep doing the great work you're doing with the Pat Cronin Foundation. Thanks very much, Samuel. Really appreciate the support of you know the Northern Football Netball League and uh, you know the whole community, every club out there. It's, it has been truly amazing from our end, and um, you know we're, together we can end the cow punch. We know that this weekend, if you're out at a game taking photos or whatnot, uh, do use the hashtags BeWise and hashtag #EndTheCowardPunch as well. Matt Cronin, really appreciate your time. Thanks, Samuel. 
As we say, boys, it's a really significant round in the Northern Football Nepal League and uh, really we're privileged to, uh, I guess, show our support to the Pat Cronin Foundation. Done some outstanding work uh, in recent times and will continue to do so as well. So we're uh, really proud to be supporting the cause this weekend. Guys, before closing out, uh, any final thoughts or anything in particular that you're looking forward to from the weekend ahead? Um, well, firstly, looking forward to the initiatives of the the Pat Cronin Foundation for the weekend. It's a it's a thing that the NFNL is is tied deeply with now, and it's a, a great um, a great cause for for the NFNL to get behind. And um, it's probably the one of the the great and sort of heartwarming things about sport, I suppose. We watch men running around kicking a ball of leather uh, every weekend, but this is when and women it, and women, of course, and and netballs too. Um, but um, they're not kicking the netballs. Well, not kicking the netballs. No, they're not. They're passing them. Um, <laughs> but this is this is where sport has proper meaning. So this is a great weekend. As far as on field goes, one thing that I'm looking forward to. There's a couple of key games now that are popping up in in all divisions, um, and there's there's a handful you could go through. But I'm sort of looking. I'll have an eye towards I think Diamond Creek and Eltham. Diamond Creek coming off the loss um, to Thomastown last weekend. Don't want to drop behind now. And Eltham as well, having having had that loss against the Fitzroy Stars, crucial for them to to show that they do have that resolve that they had against Whittlesea a couple of weeks ago. That that wasn't just a fluke. And and now to travel away to to Diamond Creek, a key game for both teams, and and a win would be meaningful for for both in their positions. Jared, the particular game that uh, that you're focusing on. Um, the one I'll be having a look at is uh, Heidelberg and Montmorency. I think this is a big game for both sides. Heidelberg obviously coming off that loss and, and really looking to um, keep in touch with the, the top sides in, in Division 1. And Montmorency just really need to, to get a couple of wins on the board now. Um, Gary Ramsey's had a month with the side and uh, I think that it's a really important game for them because I think they're... they're a finals quality side, but in such an even competition in, in Division 1, it's, it's going to be tough for them to, to play finals if they do lose a few more games. I'm going to actually stay in, in Division 1 as well, but mine's, a, I guess, more a bottom end of the table clutch. Obviously, we're looking forward to Northcote Park versus North Heidelberg, but Lowell Plenty and Hurstbridge. I think that one could very well determine a relegation battle at the end of the year. Even if those two sides aren't the only two in that battle, it's a massive game. Obviously, both sides looking to well, for Lowell Plenty to get its second win, but Hurstbridge uh, to get off the board, and it's a game that I think both sides from the very start of the year would have probably had earmarked as, as a, a real winnable opportunity. So that's a, a big game there. So it is a massive weekend of football and netball coming up right throughout the Northern Football Netball League. We do hope to see uh, as, many of you, as many of you around the ground. So head out to netball on Friday. Football right across Saturday and Sunday, of course, do support the Pat Cronin Foundation in this Pat Cronin Foundation round. And as we always say, you can hear this podcast weekly at nfnl.org.au, but also subscribe via iTunes as well to get the updates as each episode is loaded. We thank you for your time, and we do hope you enjoy your weekend of Northern Football Netball League action.